Hey guys, before we get this episode started, we gotta just mention that this is a very special episode because this is our one-year anniversary of doing Behind the Gorilla. So it is... <laughs> <laughs> so this is our birthday episode, and we wanted to, uh, you know, to celebrate that in proper fashion. And uh, Harris, do you have any uh, nice things to say to everyone who's been listening for uh, this whole year? Uh, yeah, thank you. That's really the only one I can think of. Um, we're seven in podcast years, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> we appreciate you laughing with us and growing old with us and laughing at us more than with us, I imagine. But, that's you know, we fair. don't care. We, we'll take it. Oh, we will. So uh, thank you so Music. much for listening. And, yeah, hopefully you enjoy this episode. It's a little bit long, but just bear with us because it, it'll be worth it, I hope. So, anyway, that that's really all we just wanted to say. We just want to say thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, we love celebrating our one-year anniversary, and hopefully it continues for many more years as well. So with that, here goes this week's episode. What a week it's been. So much to talk about, and so many things we can't talk about. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. Well, how's it going, everyone? We are back for another episode of Behind the Gorilla. And again, this is, uh, this is Mark, and I'm with Harris, as always, because otherwise we wouldn't have a podcast. And <laughs> and uh, so that there goes my awkward intro that I always get Harris to awkward laugh at, and I think that's a good way to start every episode. There you go. See, the ice is broken, and now we're just we're cruising. We're ready to go. This is somebody's first time listening. They've already turned it off, so we know the real <laughs> fans are the only ones here. And we thank, thank you, guys. We thank all of you for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, before we get into the topic – there's not a ton of current stuff because we have Elimination Chamber starting in less than two hours from when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. And again, it really would be smarter if we recorded on Mondays, but that's just not practical for me at the moment. But yeah. Um, yeah. maybe we might no, start doing that after basketball <laughs> season ends, maybe. But um, anyway. I, mean, I you know, I could do Monday nights, but well, I have a job, like right. a 9 to 5, so... <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, me too. So so we're right. in the same boat. Just there. leave for two hours every Monday afternoon to go record a wrestling podcast in the middle of tax season. Nobody will mind that. No, no, <laughs> not not a bit. Not a bit. But um, anyway, so yeah, so not a not a ton of stuff going on. I mean, Elimination Chamber, as much as I think the match is stupid, they're usually at least somewhat entertaining. Um, the, yeah. You know, there, there's, I, I think a tag team elimina- Elimination Chamber is incredibly dumb, but um, I mean, it should, whatever. I'll make dinner during that match, maybe if worse comes to worst. But I mean, um, here's the thing. But there's a lot of good, good women in it. So I mean, and it's the first women right. tag team title. So, so there's still intrigue with it for sure. And you know, right. hopefully it'll be fun. And you know, again, we can't do really because of the format of the show. We can't do predictions, right? Without them being spoiled immediately in retrospect. <laughs> but I'm just going to say this now because Paul Heyman likes to say this all the time, right? It's not a prediction. It's a spoiler, right? If you're a kid. Who watches wrestling or you're me, then you love Bailey. You love Bailey. And if you're a grown up who watches wrestling, you love Sasha. So they're two really popular stars who are 
you know, kind of do because they've just kind of been floundering on the main roster for a while. And they're, and they're getting eliminated the first. They're starting the match, which gives them a disadvantage. And they're getting eliminated I, first, guaranteed. Nope. They're going to go the distance and then get eliminated by either Tamina or Mandy Rose. Vince McMahon hates me personally. And all of you listening right now were like, wow, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I know. I know that's what happened because that's, that's just how it goes. We it don't is. have nice things when it comes to Bailey and Sasha. So it is. How, that is true. That is true. I mean, we saw it. We saw it last year. We were already yep. at last year's elimination chamber. Yep. Like, oh, man, this is great. They're turning. And then they're like, now they're yep. best friends again. And we're like, oh, yep. So, okay. Um, yeah. You know, and then the the one thing we can talk about, though, is freaking Kofi Kingston with the nice little push that he's getting, which is nice oh, to see. Man. That was a lot of fun to watch on SmackDown. Absolutely. And then, Dude. obviously, you know, him getting put in this match is nice. I, there, you know, and all the fans are like, give Kofi the title. And it's like, I totally agree. Kofi does deserve the title, but he does not need the title right now. This is not the time. We saw this happen with Bray Wyatt. This is not the time to change yes, the title. That's correct. You you don't change you really can't change the title right before Mania unless it is part of another story already. Mm-hmm. There's it, it doesn't benefit anybody cuz you're already you know on the back end of time building up towards Mania mm-hmm. and if you do something like that especially with someone like Kofi who's not involved in anything right now, mm-hmm. it it it's just not a good fit. I think you wait, go through Mania, and then you know, then you can start with something right after Mania, and then and I totally agree. He he needs the he needs a title run. I totally agree with that. I just don't think it's right now. I think here's the thing. I, I think the phrase WrestleMania moment gets overused a lot, and it's kind of a weird thing to complain about in a company where everything is scripted. But some moments just feel too scripted and a lot of the quote-unquote Wrestlemania moments that people get to have feel like kind of cheap but man regardless of what happens tonight and you guys listening to it already know I don't you know I really doubt they're going to put the title on him Kofi Kingston winning the WWE title and celebrating with the New Day that's a Wrestlemania moment oh sure if he drops it like the next night or the next pay-per-view like it doesn't matter that's going to be an amazing moment. Sure. And I would love for them to pull the trigger on that again. I agree with that. Probably. Like, yeah, I'd rather see him win it at WrestleMania than now. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree with that. So well, we'll see. But know. anyway, and then there's a handful of things going on. It doesn't matter. You guys already all know what happens. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I think, I think that, I mean, there's not, again, that that's really everything right now is just all building up for elimination. So there's not a whole lot no. other stuff going on. AEW's moving right along. You know, again, I, I I don't really care until everything starts. Everyone's going nuts right now, and it's like, yeah, that's great. I'm I cannot I cannot wait for this company to start, but I don't care. I'm just waiting till they start, and then 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 I'll be all in for it. Um, they sold hey. out. They sold out double or nothing in whatever four minutes. So that's fun. That pissed a lot of people off uh, who were trying to go. So you know, they, I mean, they I mean, I, I'm wondering how. I'm going to be interested to see what type of venues they run on a weekly basis yeah, once they start yeah. TV and all, and then how that does and for how long it does well. So that'll be fun be to better see. better off taping at first. Doing oh, oh like I agree. A, I agree. Not an NXT-sized arena, but I think that's an easier one. It makes for better television. It does. You think, like, think of NXT, Lucha Underground, but two, 
it's easy. Yeah, it's easier on the wrestlers. It's easier, you know, cost wise. It's easier to sell out a bunch in a short period of time. Right. I, you know, who knows? I just hope they run a show in Atlanta soon. I feel like they should. I hope they Old wait till I move WCW, back home. And that's where Cody's from and all that. I hope they wait till I move back home to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but they will. Anyway, so yeah. we'll see. I, I Again, everyone's everyone's wondering the, the TV type deal. It looks like it'll probably be some sort of Turner property, at least from all the rumors that I've heard. Yeah, I'm bringing it back. So baby. that would be Ted nice Turner. to see. Oh, I'd love it. I would be so happy <laughs> about that. And, and you know, I heard, I forgot when it was. It was in one of those press conferences recently. And I think Cody was talking about, he was just talking about how amazing WCW was and how much, how much he looks up to that and loved that whole landscape and everything. So, you know, in that whole kind of aspect of, a little bit of the us versus them type thing. Obviously, it's not quite the same, but um. Yeah. All like, right. Hang but, on. I want to like address this too. now because we got a. Uh, I know we saw a tweet about it, but somebody said, you know, what do you guys think of David Arquette going to all elite? Oh wrestling? yeah, yeah, yeah. That would and be I know fun. We, we've talked about this. In Although the past, you should have I waited think. for our David Arquette segment at the end of the show, but well, I was I wasn't sure if you wanted to put it there or not because he's you know. It would be one thing if he signed with them. Then right, that's right. what we would be talking about. But true, just because true. that came up and I don't want to forget. Here's the thing. That would be a lot of fun and I think it would he would be great in like a you know how on the way up to all in Flip Gordon kept trying to get booked on the show? Right. And they were like, No, screw you, we're not gonna do that. Like in that role where he's like trying desperately <laughs> to earn respect from wrestling yeah. icons like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and they're like, Get out of here, David Arquette, you suck. You're gonna kill that the you're gonna kill our fun. company. Yeah, that would be right. that would well, be fun. I was just getting to that. Here's the other thing though. If he goes to all elite wrestling and th- it's a hard it's you know, they're basically creating a startup. Like startups right, yeah, are yeah, hard yeah. to run, companies are hard to run. And if they go out of business within like two years, then David Arquette becomes the guy who killed another <laughs> wrestling company. Right. And I don't think he wants to risk that. <laughs> I think he would rather stay away for for the time being. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but no, you're probably right. If you want to announce your signing with All Elite Wrestling, you should do it with us. Yeah, That's yeah. All com- I'm gonna say. Yeah, come on here, and we will gladly provide you the platform of our twenty to thirty listeners a week, and you know you can get that right out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much uh, all that's going on. So, what? What are you laughing at? I'm just like, I'm just imagining a world where tomorrow they're like, oh my god, I can't believe CM Punk came back in the Elimination <laughs> Chamber. I can't wait to hear what my fourth favorite wrestling podcast, Behind the Gorilla, has to say about this. And we're just right. just breezing right over it. Yeah. Well, we don't know what happens <laughs> yet. So that's the problem. Anywho, so uh, we'll get into the topic today, and I am going to apologize. This is going to be uh, longer probably than usual. You know, most of the time we're like, oh, this might be shorter than usual, and then we end up going longer. Well, this is the opposite. So maybe by some off chance it ends up being shorter. I don't see that happening. It took me over five hours to do all this yesterday. It literally took me most of the day. And I didn't mean for it to. I didn't want it to, but it it just it just happened. Um, it's kind of two different topics that I wanted to do, and they they just are happening at the same time and in conjecture with each other, in conjunction with each other. So um, that that's just the way that's just the way it 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 it, it fell for me. So we're gonna start in September of nineteen ninety eight. 
And ju just real quickly here to, to provide some context, Ric Flair returned to WCW. Um, he was and he was then part of a huge feud with Eric Bischoff that lasted for several months and, and was half real. And um, it culminated with a match between the two at Starcade in 1998, which Bischoff won with interference <laughs> from Kurt Hitting. Um, the next night on Nitro, Flair challenged Bischoff to a match for the presidency of WCW, and Flair won that match and assumed control of WCW. And Excellent. that's that's kind of the, the starting point for this. That's the prelude to the episode. Right, right. That's the prelude. <laughs> uh, to be honest, that whole thing could be a, another episode. But um, right. a lot of this. Anyway, we're just going to keep going. Um, So he reigned as president for, for several months. And, and th this is the time period we are going to stay in um, with for this episode. He had, he had a big feud with WCW champion Hulk Hogan for a couple of months at the beginning of 1999. And in March, he had a title match, or they had some title matches back and forth, but in March, he had a title match at Uncensored, where if he won the match, he would be champion and president of WCW for life. For life. that They've managed to put that on there. But if he lost, he would be banned from WCW for life. So, that's that, 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 that was the stakes in this match. It's not just the title, it's also this presidency. And, and 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 the weird thing is Hogan is a heel at this point. He's still in NWO. He's in the Wolfpack NWO right now, and he's still supposedly a full-on heel, and Ric Flair is supposedly the babyface in all this. But it it gets very confusing when you're watching and you can't really tell a lot of times. Um, okay, but this is the best part about this match. Again, this match really has not a whole lot to do with the topic, but I still am going to spend way too much time on it because it's ridiculous. Okay, I'm in. Okay, it's a cage match, all right? Simple enough. But okay, it's wait, one cage, right? Not like yeah, no, 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 it's one or... cage, it's okay. one cage. And that's all simple right. enough, right? Well, there's no escaping of this cage. There's no okay. door on it, which okay. I don't know why there ever was. In all of cage match history. And there's... You can't climb over it. Because there's a razor wire over the top of it. Great. Right. What could go wrong? Okay, so it has to stay in the ring. And also, it's a first blood match. So... <laughs> right. So the first person to bleed... Lose... You know, loses the match. Right. Okay, so Flair comes out. Has his entrance. He comes out. He grabs the mic. And he's talking with the ref to clarify the rules, which is That's good because a, a lot of things, you know, a lot of times in WCW, as we've talked about, mm -hmm. boy, we talk about no rules in WWE. WCW took that to a whole new level. Um, it's like there were too many rules and at the same time they were never enforced. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, you know, he's clarifying and he says, you know, don't stop the match for just a little cut or a nick or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be a real type thing or, you know, if it's just a superficial wound type thing, you right. know, that type of stuff. You have to be properly busted open. Right, I've seen right. one or two of these matches on the network and it's very funny. The one I watched, I promise this won't be a long tangent, but <laughs> it was Steve Austin versus Kane. And I don't think they had specified that before the match. And he gets a little cut on his back. And they are bending over backwards to make sure the audience knows that that doesn't end the match. But they right. have to do it like retroactively, right? Because they never specified that beforehand, and it's very funny. So I'm glad to know that 
they're taking the time to make this very clear at yep. the start. Yep. And, uh, you know, and he's ta- he's still talking, he's talking to the ref and he's like, you know, use your discretion, you know, you're in charge, you, you know, you know, don't, don't ruin, basically like don't ruin the match. That's kind of what he's saying. Right. And so in the match the you know, the match starts, uh, Hogan comes out, the match starts and Flair is, is busted open first a lot. And the match keeps going. Much to the confusion of the announcers and everyone else. <laughs> I mean, they're literally just like, well, he's busted open. And, and at first they're like, oh, well, you know, well, he's, you know, the ref can't see him from the angle he's at. And then at some point he's like, no, Flair's busted open and this match is still going. And the funny thing is Hogan is acting like nothing's amiss. He's just going along with the match. And, and they even mention that. They're just like, well, Hogan's just... Still going, so the match is still still going on, and um, so he just keeps beating up Flair, and and you can kind of you can kind of see that they they've been having a feud, so maybe Hogan's like, forget this, I just want to beat Flair up, you know. So you can see that that's I guess. you know whatever, okay. And the the announcers are just still confused, but then Hogan you know does some moves, hits his big leg drop, and then he goes for the cover. Of course. But but the ref doesn't count because it's a first blood match. Wow. And apparently there's no pinfalls. So now Hogan is starting to get upset. Because he's like, now he's starting to be like, he's bleeding already. And you won't make a pin? Like, what what's going on? Which is it? Yeah. And so, but but the match is, just keeps going on. So the match continues for a while longer. Kind of back and forth. And, and Flair ends up... He pulls out brass knuckles that he was hiding in like his boot and hits <laughs> and hits Hogan with it. But the whole time he's like hiding it. Right. But it's in a cage. Like Oh my boy, dude, I forgot it was in a cage. Right. After all. It's that. in a cage. What there's no disqualification. But he's acting. Why also, did he wait this long to bring out the brass knuckles? I don't know. And also he's like hiding it and also like he's he's supposed to be the face in theory of this whole thing, so that doesn't make any sense. And then he hides it again, and he then busts Hulk Hogan open, and the match is still going on. So it's a first blood match, and both people are just bleeding out, and the match is just still going. Um. So it, and then at one point Hogan is about to throw Flair into the cage, and the ref inadvertently gets in the way, and and that messes stuff up, and. Flair escapes and gets knocked down, and there's then so many people come and interfere. David Flair comes out with Tori Wilson, and wait, they, okay, sorry, go ahead. And uh, he was kind of in a thing with Ric Flair, and and he turned on Ric Flair at one point and cost him a match earlier, cost him like the title match earlier and a couple months before with Hogan, and he had joined the NWO, so he came out. And, but it's still a cage, so it's not like anything's really happening. I was going to say, how that was my question. How do they interfere they, in a cage? Well, they didn't. He just came out and stood at the stage and yelled at him and stood at the uh, cage well, door and yelled at him. But um, got to be honest. If you let that distract you, you, you don't deserve to be champion. Right, frankly. right. I know. And then and then, then Arn Anderson comes out, and, he, and then at one point, Hogan, uh, the ref is distracted because Hogan is, you know, pleading with the ref about something, and, and Arn Anderson gives Flair a tire iron through the cage and then Flair hits Hogan with the tire iron again hiding it the whole time and then and then then he goes for the pin and the ref counts and Flair wins the match 
and the title and presidency for life right and and wow. it, the whole thing is just like what 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 happened what, what is going on that's insane <laughs> it doesn't make any like, sense um and, and and this whole time flair is the face in this and hogan is the heel but the whole match was done as hogan babyface and flair heel um so like the, the NWO now, are still bad guys. So it, none of this makes any sense. Now I have a question. Do you think that WCW provide like told their announcers that this was going to happen and to act confused, or do you think some of that confusion is genuine? Um, because this is something that happens a lot in their pay per view. Yes, it I've does. Noticed just. For this podcast, there is a point where the announcers are like, "Honestly, we don't know what's going on." Like, to be perfectly honest, I I, I feel like they're actually confused. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, I, I don't know if they think because it, it gets to this point where it's like the company, not at this point, but like later in the in the run, is going down the tubes, and right. it feels like Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff are like, "Well, people think this is dumb, so you should act like this is dumb too, and then they'll know that we know it's dumb." May maybe, but I think it's more likely that they just don't think to convey all of this stuff, and the entire enterprise is just an overbooked mess that nobody understands, including the people running it. I yeah, that see, that's what I think. I think that's more of a thing. And and one problem with WCW, which is one hundred percent true, no matter how much I love WCW, is they are one of the worst wrestling companies in history at finishes. I mean, they they yeah. were just terrible. And that's what Bischoff's, you know, I listen to Bischoff's podcast every week, and that's one thing he always says. He's like, one thing we always were missing was like a finish guy, a guy with, you know, good finishes. He's like, Kevin Sullivan was good at like certain heat finishes, um, but they didn't really have a good finish guy. Because that's one thing people take for granted with WWE is they've had Pat Patterson for so many decades, who's apparently the best finish guy ever in like history. Really? That's yeah, very yeah. interesting. So he's like the master at, at how at creating finishes for matches. So wow. WCW will have this great program and a and a good match, and then their finishes will just suck. And it kind of and yeah. that 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 is true. As much as I love uh, love WCW, that is very true. Yeah. And uh, you see this type of stuff all the time. I mean, we talk about the dusty finish all the time. I mean that mm-hmm. you know there's so much of that. Anyway, moving on. So the next night on Nitro. And at this point, which I didn't even realize, Nitros are three hours long. Like, I didn't realize Nitros were ever three hours long. I don't know why I forgot that. But this whole time, Nitros are three three hours long. So that's another reason why it took me five-plus hours to, to go through this. It's another reason to hate WCW. If they had just stayed it too, then Raw probably would have stayed it too. <laughs> I, I doubt it. But um, <laughs> yeah. That's anyway, funny. so uh, that that's just a sidebar. But uh, Flair, Flair comes into the arena with Arn Anderson and the girls, and you see him like, of course, because he always has girls, and he comes like you see the limo pull up and him come out of the limo with all the people, like kind of an entourage of Arn and and the women and stuff, and he's walking to the ring, and as he's doing that, he calls over the re- uh, the ref to join him, and the ref is Charles Robinson, this whole Yay. time. That that that, and that's one of the main focuses that we're going to be talking about with this episode. I know I waited 23 minutes to mention it, but um, so they are all in the ring now, and Mean Gene starts by asking Robinson about the weird officiating at the pay per view. Mean Gene, 
He's Mr. No Nonsense. He's the one sane person in a whole wrestling company that's going to be like, what is going on? <laughs> so, and, uh, but before he can answer, Arn interrupts him and defends Charles Robinson, saying he's, you know, one of the best refs out here and all this other stuff. And he ref, you know, he did his job and all this stuff. And Robinson also defends himself and says that we, and he defends himself with the why he did what he did and all that stuff. And he also says that we should reflect, respect Flair, the president of the company, which is fair enough. That's the boss, technically, in, in, in kayfabe or whatever. And he says he did what he thought was right. And that, you know, even Flair had told him to use his own discretion. And um, this is really the start of Charles Robinson as a heel ref. And that mm-hmm. is that that's one of the big that that was the main thing that I wanted to do when I started this podcast. And that's why I had to go all the way back to that other match, because that was really the first time there was any indication of it at all. Robinson came into the company in 1997, so he's only been in there for a couple like about two years now at this point, maybe a little less. So he's still pretty new at the time. But uh, anyway, so, you know, but but this was a very slow burn angle. Robinson would ref all of Flair's matches in like in the near future, but it, but it wasn't always obvious that he was favoring anybody. He was still mostly refing like normal in these matches. Uh-huh. Um, and this went on for several weeks, but the bias would like slowly be growing like kind of on behalf of Robinson. Um, and also Flair's crazy behavior is really in full force during this, like as president during this time as well. Uh, so right, right now what I'm just kind of do, going to do is try and kind of popcorn around over the next month or so and a few other things and kind of the, the way that these two things were building. Cause those are the two things I'm focusing on. Flair's crazy reign as president and Charles Robinson becoming, you know, what, what will very affectionately be known as little Nate. Mm-hmm. So on April 5th, on the nitro that was this has nothing to do with it but i just i just this was cool the rebranding of nitro took place on april 5th of 1999 they introduced a new nitro logo which was like the weird little bitty w with the big c and then little bitty w like that logo Um, that's the one that's in uh ready to yes yes it is yeah and that stage too that stage with that logo on it that was the first time they Introduce that. Um, so this is the, really the first time WWE, WCW has ever had like a rebranding, almost ever, like really in company history. Yep. They'd always use that other logo. Anyway, a lot of people didn't like it. Um, a lot of people still don't like it. It's really not that great. Uh, the logo is dumb because you have no idea what it is. Um, right. It's just, it's a weird, it's very 90s. Like, it's yeah, a, it's a very, yeah. it's a very shape. But you yeah. can't really tell what it is, and it, it doesn't age well. Personally, I like the stage look with that logo as it. But if you just kind of forget that that's a logo, and you almost just look at it as that's the design of the stage. Like, I always thought the stage looked kind of cool. But anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. Just as I'm watching this, I, like, see this take place. I'm like, oh, that happened. That's one of the fun things kind of when you go through these is you see other stuff too. Right. But anyway, so Macho Man returns to WCW at Spring Stampede, which was the next pay-per-view after Uncensored. And uh, he he had been off for for some time, and uh, he 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 was going to be the special referee of the title match. I don't know why. I couldn't figure out why he was put in that position, but he was. And the match is a four corners match, which is their fatal four way, which I found out is 
Fatal 4-Way and Triple Threat are actually trademarked by WWE. I'm pretty sure. So Because they just can't call it that? Is that why? Yeah. So in WCW, it's called a Four Corners match. And when they're Triple Threats, they call them something else. They, huh. they, they don't call them Triple Threat or Fatal 4-Way ever. So it's between the champion Ric Flair, Sting, Hulk Hogan, and DDP. And Macho Man, of course, interferes during this match and attacks Flair and hits him with a diving elbow. DDP hits a diamond cutter and he wins the title. So DDP's champion now. The next night on Nitro, Flair claims the match was unfair and he declares the title vacant for now because he's president. Well, then there's a whole big hullabaloo and Macho Man comes out and he has the match contract in his hand and that the WCW board and Flair as president signed which says that he was the special referee and his decision is final. So DDP is still the champion. Flair then said, oh yeah, Savage has been out because he was, again, I didn't go back that far. At some point he was suspended from the company or something. So Flair says that he still isn't reinstated and he won't wrestle in WCW ever again. He'll just sit and re and he'll just sit out his contract at home and he's not going to be used. Charles Robinson is in the ring also at this time, and he gets on the mic, and he chastises Savage for not being a proper ref, and he's not qualified to, to be refing a, a horseman match. Which is fair, and was really funny at the same time. Um, and uh, he then asks, oh yeah, and, and also, I forgot to mention this, Randy Savage, he came out to ref with a, a new valet who is this girl that he's actually dating at the time called Gorgeous George. And that's the name. Not to be confused with the wrestling legend, Gorgeous George. Yeah, that's very confusing. It is you said confusing. that, and I was like, I didn't know Gorgeous George was a woman. Well, this one is. That really she, she was. She this was, one, okay. She fair. was a stripper from Florida or something that he's dating at the time. But anyway. And so, he, and he had come out to ref with her, and she was with him and everything. So, Charles Robinson then <laughs> then is like, he's he's, make, he's you know chastising Savage for his refing, and he also then asks why he brought his bimbo George out there. And uh, Gorgeous George then goes over and slaps Robinson to the ground, and um, the, each of them are then held back, and they yell at each other. And then and then this happens. I got this, this uh, audio queued up. We're going to have uh, the response. That has just happened. George has just slapped uh, Charles Robinson in the ring, and, and here, here's what Savage says. Be a diplomat, nature boy. Here's the deal. I want to wrestle here more than life itself. But I recognize you as the president, nature boy. But here's the deal. If you got the guts, slamboree, the next BBV, I put my girl against your girl. And if my girl wins, I'm reinstating. My girl. And, and Charles Robinson is going nuts right now. It's great. What about it? He set the table for you. What's the answer? You sure? You sure? You got it. And fucked. And I tell you what, he'll beat her with the figure four. How about that, Jack? She's gonna beat him with the big elbow. Ooh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was a nice little exchange there. And Charles Robinson is amazing. I mean, he freaks out. When he says, uh, when Savage says that, and it is just, it's, it's great. It is great. Oh man. I, sometimes I wish we weren't just an audio podcast because 
that's a lot of fun to watch. Um, so anyway, so that's going to be a match. Charles Robinson versus Gorgeous George at Slambury, which is the next pay-per-view. Oh, man. So we're, we're already off. To, and this is that's the other half of this episode, pretty much. And uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. And it's it's wonderful. But um, anyway, so now we're going to move on. This is the next week now in Nitro. And <laughs> it's funny because it's on the University of Florida campus in their basketball mm-hmm. arena, like the O'Connell Center or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> I and, saw you tweet this. And they are, like, really building this up, the fact that they are at the University of Florida, like, more so than I think I've ever really seen them do before, and I'm not sure why. But they have Tony Schiavone wearing a Florida Gator windbreaker, which is hilarious because if you guys don't know, Tony Schiavone is a huge Georgia Bulldog fan and works for the Georgia Bulldogs. He calls their women's basketball games. He does... I believe like pre and post game or something like that for their football radio broadcasts and and a bunch of other stuff. And so it's hilarious seeing him in a Florida Gator pullover for this. Oh man. He was the old he would he really was the ultimate yes man when he was in WCW. Which is just it's just so funny. Anyway, but uh okay, so now the commissioner, Rowdy Roddy Piper, shows up to the arena. Um, to let Savage and Gorgeous George into the arena because the, uh, the the guard was saying, no, you're not allowed in the arena because Ric Flair said so. But So apparently Piper is the commissioner of WCW. I'm not really sure what that means, but he is. And he hasn't been on TV for, the, for a while now, so I don't know what he's been doing. But anyway, he's back. So... Uh, he and, and then he also throws in that Flair might not be president for much longer. So then later on, Flair's coming out to talk to Mean Gene. He's wearing a Florida Gator shirt under his jacket. And uh, he talks to Mean Gene in the ring, and he says every time he comes to Gainesville, he has tons of kids go with him to the bar to try and out-drink him, and he's going to buy every kid in the arena a drink and all this stuff. And the crowd is going Nuts. This crowd is so hot. And they are 100% pro Ric Flair during this whole thing. Huh. I mean, which is not surprising. Ric Flair has always been the college champion. Like, always. So, that doesn't surprise me. Interesting. But he's also, I think now he's supposed to be a heel. But he definitely wasn't supposed to be during that other Hogan match. But then act like a heel. So, I'm, I don't know. I'm very confused as far as all that goes. And then, you know, and he says he's the president of the company and he can do whatever he want and all this stuff. And then bagpipes hit and here comes Piper. And Piper says Flair has far overstepped his bounds as president. He's been throwing his power around too much. He's been hiring and firing people just randomly at will and signing things he hasn't even read. And he's not fit to be president, which is fair. Um, Piper says he's sick. You know, he's sick of all this. He's saying that Flair is sick. And he needs to he needs to he needs to get help, and he's um, and he's here as a friend of Ric Flair, saying he needs to step down as president and get his mind right and back on track. Flair, of course, says no and doesn't tell and don't tell him what to do. And Flair starts going crazy, saying he does what he wants. And Piper starts naming off instances where Flair didn't behave as a president 
over the past couple of years talking saying about talking about him taking his clothes off in the ring and throwing <laughs> shoes into the crowd and handcuffing himself <laughs> to the ring rope and all this other stuff that he had been doing. And um Flair of course starts stripping in the ring. Of course. <laughs> and has Florida Gator boxers on. Oh, and the crowd awesome. goes berserk. Amazing. <laughs> oh man, Flair says he's the president and he he literally he says I'm the president of the United States and I can do what I want. And Piper's just <laughs> like the United States, man, you really are gone. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh man, and Piper then says he has an official statement from the General Court and I wrote this down cuz I'd never heard of it before, but the General Court of Justice Superior Court Division <laughs> Which I mean, I'm assuming I'm assuming this is real, but no, I don't know. Absolutely not. Okay. Making this up. And uh, but he has an official document, gives it to Mean Gene, and Mean Gene's reading this off, and it says on behalf of David Flair and Roddy Piper and WCW that Flair that since Flair is incapable of rational judgment, it represent and rep- and represents a risk of harm to his well-being and to WCW. He's ordered to be removed from the presidency. Flair, of course, says it's nonsense, and Piper's fired. Um, Piper then says Flair will fight Kevin Nash because Flair had already signed the match document that apparently Flair didn't even know that he did. Because he signs all this stuff without reading it. That's right, right. Problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, Flair just keeps firing Piper, but then cuts in and says he's going to wrestle him at Slamboree, and if he wins, Piper can run the company. And Piper agrees... But then Flair says he's still fired, though. <laughs> but you're still fired, though. So what and I'm getting this whole from this back is, and forth uh, is so funny. It is so funny. They're making the right choice in removing this man from power. Right, right. Yeah, but... But it, also, I respect this bizarre code of honor that existed amongst old wrestlers, which is... Look, if you beat me, you can run the time. Like, you deserve to run. It's kind of like a Black Panther rule system, right. where if you can beat me in a fight, you can run the country. I respect that they have a code, you know, and they stick by it. Right. So, um, anyway, uh, and I would highly recommend going and watching that little back and forth segment because it's really funny. Um, I love ap- watching Ric Flair have meltdowns. So the I'm April night. It's, a- it's April nineteenth, Nitro of nineteen ninety nine. But um, anyway, right. so later in the show, Macho Man brings in Medusa to help train Gorgeous George for a match <laughs> against Charles Robinson. That's oh just, my! Doesn't really. Again, it doesn't really matter. It just I, I have to say this for things in the future. Um, f- okay, so then Flair has a match with Kevin Nash, and it's it, you know decent match, whatever. And then, but Nash hits Ric Flair with the jackknife, <laughs> and of course Charles Robinson is a ref, and Robinson refuses to count the pin and just leaves the ring. Excellent. Gorgeous George <laughs> then comes down and attacks Charles Robinson. Strips off his ref shirt, puts it on, gets in the ring, and counts the one, two, three. So Nash beats Flair. And apparently, this is what, yes, so this is what I have found out. All you need is to just have the official ref shirt, the striped shirt, and then you win. Like, you you have power, apparently, according to that segment. Interesting. And Macho Macho Man is down there looking on in approval and whatever. So then, then it gets weird. Uh, so Flair's knocked out in the ring because, you know, Nash is huge and he hit his jackknife on him. Now, I I will say Kevin Nash's jackknife powerbomb is by far the worst powerbomb in the history of the world. 
And it's a shame because he does it bad on purpose. Like, he literally picks them up. I don't know how familiar you familiar you are with this, Harris. I mean, it's like a power bomb, but where they sit and he holds them, he swings them, like, all the way up, right? Like, they look sort no, of no, 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 no. It's the same as any other power bomb. He just pulls them up, but instead of driving them into the mat, he just lets go. And they just fall. Like, so it looks so lame. And, like, the rationale is he's so tall that he doesn't have to because it's such a long drop. But, but it looks so lame. It looks so right. lame. It's like, dude, just finish the move, and it looks I feel awesome. Like that, that just makes you think, like, if he slammed them to the ground, wouldn't it be a lot more power? Right. Like everybody else who has ever done a power bomb in the world. Okay. I'm watching. A, I'm watching gifs of it now, and I feel like it's just because he doesn't have the mobility to actually <laughs> deliver them. But all that's the way not to true because Nash is incredibly athletic. So, like, that's not even that's not even the reason. It's just it's it was a choice that was made. To yeah, have the move be different, and it's choice. a really dumb choice. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. But um, so so Flair's laid out in the ring, and now a bunch of men in white coats come running to the ring with a hospital gurney. Oh no! They put Flair on the gurney and uh, start taking him to the back. Piper joins them and just starts yelling at Ric Flair, and then Arn Anderson is coming over, kind of protesting, saying what's going on, and they're loading him into a van. And and Arn is just like, what's going on? Where where are all the, where's all the life saving equipment and everything in this so supposed ambulance and all this stuff? And they close the doors to reveal that it's a it's a crazy wagon, and it drives away with Flair banging on the uh, the windows on the inside. So not only has he been fired, he's been committed against yep. his will. Yep. Apparently earlier on in the show, uh, there. although I couldn't find a clip of it, they showed a clip of it in the next um, Nitro. But, like, there was a scene with Piper and, and uh, David Flair, like, in the back with, like, a piece of paper talking about him getting committed or whatever. But, um, so that's the end of that Nitro. Now we're going to move on to the next week. And it opens up with Ric Flair in a mental institution. Okay, so we're back to Lost in Cleveland. This, this has point. been on my and circle. this has been on my list for a while, and so that was the that was the big thing. I, I really wanted to when I started when I picked a topic this week, I really wanted to do talk about Charles Robinson as little Nate. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that Ric Flair and a mental institution happened during it as well. So I was like, all right, this is perfect. Um, I can knock out two of my topics with one episode. Well, okay. So he's in a mental institution and I'm going to, I'm going to describe this a little bit for you before I play this clip. Cause it was one of those things where during the whole show, they would keep cutting back to him. So there's a lot of like little segments. It's not just one and you can find it. You can just type in Ric Flair in a mental, mental institution and people have put together all the clips and one thing if you want to watch it. But, um, so of course it opens. Ric Flair is in a mental institution and it, it doesn't even look like a loony bin. It's just like a warehouse or something that they've just kind of thrown in some furniture and, and some stuff. And they have some people in white coats playing doctors and nurses. And then people wearing like smocks, acting like stereotypical crazy people great all in there and uh yeah think of the most stereotypical like a mental institution you could think of sans like ultra sans like ultra violence 
type crazy people, uh-huh. and that's like what they made here. I am I'm getting major Lost in Cleveland vibes right now. Uh, yeah, just that same level of yeah. just crappy, lazy. Oh, he's got amnesia. Oh, he's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, so starting off with this first clip, th- there's a doctor and a nurse, and they're talking about Ric Flair. And so we're we're gonna play some of this right here, and I'll I'll try and describe it um, when necessary. Ric Flair is still here. I know. He is disrupting the entire ward. He thinks this is a high-dollar hotel. What are we going to do about it? I don't know. I know exactly what I'm going to do about it. So Ric Flair thinks he's in a hotel. Attention, gentlemen. There will be no nitro tonight. What? I'm sorry. I don't want to hear anything else about it. No nitro tonight. I'm sorry. Guess what? I'm sorry. No. Here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, All right, now Rick, Rick and I'm going to pause for a second. Rick Flair's about to make his entrance. Now, we have one guy who's just like the spazzing out crazy guy. We have one guy who has a stethoscope and is pretending he's, he thinks he's a doctor. And for some reason, they're giving him these things. And then we have another guy with like uh, something on his finger that he keeps talking to. And it's just it's it's bizarre. But anyway, now we have Ric Flair coming into the picture. And he gets his music for some reason. Of course. Ric Flair comes in wearing the same Florida Gator boxers he was wearing before and a robe, and that's it. That's the most continuity that anyone's ever had in a yep. show. He's ready to watch Nitro. And now he's running over to the nurse and dancing around her. And now he's grabbing the nurse and starting to dance with her. And that's the end of segment number one, and that opens this oh nitro. And there are many right, segments. I'm going to be honest with you, though. One, it's funny that that doubles as, like, the opener for Nitro. Right. But two, this sounds this sounds like the way I imagine Ric Flair normally treats people, and especially <laughs> women. Like, this doesn't sound like he's lost. This sounds like normal Ric Flair behavior. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's a fair assessment. Um, I just love the fact that he thinks he's in a high-profile hotel that he owns. But, um... Anyway, so later on in the show, we see Charles Robinson with J.J. Dillon in the president's office going over papers. And Dillon says they are all they are all clear and they're all, you know, accounted for. And they say Charles Robinson is the vice president, according to whatever. And uh, and if the president is incapacitated, then the vice takes charge. So Robinson is now in charge of WCW, apparently, and he's above the commissioner. So again, I don't know what this commissioner role means, but um, he they, they even specifically say that he's above the commissioner. Um, so he's given the orders. 
which is wonderful. I wish they did this longer of Charles Robinson giving orders because it's great. Uh, okay, so Piper comes out to the ring and he talks for a while. He reinstates Macho Man and says he'll fight Scott Steiner for the U.S. title later tonight. And then later on, we see again Charles Robinson, and he's on the phone with Ric Flair in the mental institution. Now, I'm going to pause there. There's a phone in the mental institution. It's like a payphone. Like, apparently anyone can just use it in the whole thing, which just doesn't seem to make any sense. But um, So he's talking with Charles Robinson, and Flair's yelling at him like he always does. That Piper, right. that Piper should be arrested. Arrest him. He needs to be arrested. And so he, wait, a second ago, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. No, 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 you're, you're good. It sounded like Ric Flair was being committed against his will to an insane asylum last right. week. Right, yes. Then this week opens with him thriving in the Minstel Institution and Apparently. really excited to watch his favorite show. Yep. And now we're back to, no, no, I don't want to be here. Is that correct? No. No, no, no. He, he's never saying he doesn't want to be here or get me out. Okay. He's just, okay. like, calling the shots from the phone. Like Great. Uh, yeah, So and he's also being annoyed by the other inmates at, while he's on the phone. It keeps telling him to go away. But, um, and he keeps telling, he just keeps saying that Piper should go to jail. He then hangs up and goes over to a nurse who is jacked. And he just starts <laughs> talking with her. I mean, this, this lady is <laughs> massive. So that's weird. I mean, she is ripped. Anyway, so that's the end of that segment. And then uh, later on in the ring, we have Charles Robinson in the ring with Mean Gene. And Gene, for the first time, calls Robinson the little nature boy. This is the first time we hear that term used. And uh, Gene wants to know exactly who, uh, you know, who's in charge. And Robinson says he's in charge. And he, of course, uses the term Charles is in charge because that was Uh big at the time. And that just screams, here, say this. Yep. Oh, man. Um, so Piper now comes out. He says Robinson isn't in charge of anything. And they should. And then they go back and forth. And Robinson then slaps Piper. Piper then goes after Charles. But then J.J. Dillon comes out with cops. And they save Robinson and arrest Piper. Um, and Robinson is just going haywire. So he's ba- he's just being Ric Flair. And it's amazing. It is amazing. And I'll, I'll talk more about this, but Charles Robinson is the mold of Ric Flair in every way. Like, this guy, you could not have a, a like physical impressionist do any better than Charles Robinson does as uh, of, of Ric Flair. It, it's incredible. It's awesome. Um, so he arrests, he arrests, uh, Piper gets arrested. Later, we again have Robinson on the phone. Uh, with a still institutionalized Flair. And Flair is telling him how great he was there in that segment and how, you know, how he got arrested, Piper arrested, and that's all good, and he's congratulating him. And and uh, Flair is giving him instructions to make a Sting versus Goldberg match for Slamboree. Okay, so now we're booking pay-per-views from the mental institution. And uh, later on... And, uh, you know, the whole show's going on and other stuff's happening. But then right. there's we're back to another segment and another phone call between Robinson and Ric Flair. And Rick says to make a four-way match for the world title tonight. And Robinson says that he will. Flair then asks... Th- so then he hangs up. That is really the, all of that conversation. Flair then hangs up and he goes over to the jacked nurse 
and asks if she wants to wrestle. And he gets down on all fours, like, in proper wrestling position. And she, like, joins him. And then as she does, the other nurse from, like, the beginning comes over and everything just stops. Like, you're caught by your parents. Um, and that's the end of that segment. Great. Another segment happens later. Again, on the phone, Robinson and Ric Flair. And Flair gives more instructions about different matches to make. Um... And then after he hangs up, he starts dancing with the inmates, you know, his little Ric Flair dances. And then all of a sudden, Scott Hall walks up and just stares at him and then walks away. He flicks a toothpick at him and walks away. Scott Hall is a patient at this mental institution and it's used for one second and thrown away. And that's it. The announcers don't say anything. Ric Flair doesn't talk to him. Nothing is mentioned. Why? Have, I want to know why Scott Hall is in this mental institution. What is the I, is the idea that like he's hallucinating maybe? Because he's no, crazy. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think so. I think it is that Scott Hall is in this mental institution, and I don't know why. And we've never seen him up until this point, and no. never see him there again. I no, amazing. And nothing is mentioned. So I just had to <laughs> mention that because it was amazing. Oh, man. So, later on in the show, obviously, a lot of this episode is focused on this particular Nitro because a lot happens. But um, later, Macho Man is is set to face Scott Steiner. Remember, we talked about it like 10 minutes ago, but he's supposed to face him for the U.S. title. Right. (laughs) But before the match starts, Charles Robinson comes out and he says he's going to be the ref in this match. So, he like takes off his suit jacket, gets in the ring, and is like, I'm going to be the ref. And so the match starts, and Steiner, right off the bat, he gets kind of backed into a corner by Macho Man. You know how they do. They kind of are in the collar and elbow tie-up, and they right. force him into the corner. And then Charles Robinson, you know, you got to break the count. So he starts counting, one, two. Macho Man breaks it up, holds his hands up, and then Steiner shoves Macho Man, which then knocks Macho Man into Charles Robinson. Charles Robinson takes one look and then disqualifies Macho Man. So the match is over. Great. And Macho Man has Gorgeous George with him and Medusa at the time, you know, at ringside. And and Medusa then attacks Charles Robinson as he's on the outside, rolls him into the ring where Gorgeous George then strips Robinson of all his clothes and leaves him in his underwear. Oh, my. Again, it's okay if you do that to a guy, but if you do it to a girl, nope. That's a a big no-no. Yeah, that sounds about right. Anyway. Uh so that's kind of the end. That's kind of all that ends up happening in in that nitro. So the next week, it, it opens with Flair in a limo, and he's talking with Charles Robinson on the phone, and he's saying that he's been released and he's on his way to Nitro. He also has Arn Anderson with him, and that jacked nurse for some reason <laughs> is with him as well. And then this is the best part: driving next to them is a bus with all the other people from the mental institution. All right, he's bringing the he's crew. He's bringing the crew. Excellent. Oh, I love that. Oh, it's great. That's like the end of any good children's movie, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah, it is. Squad, like the squad of friends you made along the way shows up for the climax. That's, That's exactly it's exactly what it is. So he has the, uh, the crazies with him. Uh, Flair gets to the arena with all the nuts and... They all start coming to the they he all they all start coming into the arena and Ric Flair gets in and he's all hyped up and doing his little walk in and he just starts firing everyone that he sees. 
<laughs> just starts firing people right and awesome. left. Uh, he ends up going to the ring with the jacked nurse and Charles Robinson and J.J. Dillon and Arn Anderson. So the rest of the nuts, I guess, are just left in the back. But um, And he's just going nuts that he's back. He's, I'm back. I'm Ric Flair and I'm back. And I'm crazy. Um, I'm not sure why he was released, to be honest, but uh, he was. And he calls out Randy Savage and Gorgeous George. Savage comes out with George, Medusa, and then another lady that nobody knows who she is. And she's just referred to as Miss Madness. She has like a pageant dress on with a sash. And it's really weird. I have no idea who this is and it's never explained. Um, Great. And... <laughs> the best part of this is the clothes on Savage and his squad are just incredible. Like, other than Miss Madness, who's wearing a pageant-like dress, it is an explosion of leather. Like, it is something to behold. There's, like, 12 cows used between these, like, three people. Amazing. I mean, they look like something out of... I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know how to explain... It's like something out of Blade, like it, it's it's great, and very nineteen ninety. It is not. It is me. exactly. It is nineteen ninety nine to the max. Flair then says Savage is fired, of course, and he then calls for security, and they come out, and Savage is fighting them off with Medusa. Him and Medusa are fighting them off, and Flair has grabbed Gorgeous George for some reason, and more and more people are coming out to get Savage. Robinson then grabs the mic. And tells George that his strategy is to buy. <laughs> this is great. Is to buy her a pack of gum, because everyone knows a bimbo can't chew gum and walk at the same time. <laughs> wow, that's a terrible but fantastic line. It is. <laughs> he then starts strutting around, and then as soon as he turns away from her, she just decks him in the back of the head, and Perfect. he. And again, uh, we know this. I, 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 well, I do. I, again, I don't know how familiar you are with Charles Robinson and his line of work necessarily, but he is one of the best sellers in the history of the business that's not a wrestler. Like, he sells stuff like death. It's amazing. Like, you saw the, the 2010 Royal Rumble with Shawn Michaels and when he loses and then tries to come back in and then super kicks Charles Robinson. Mm-hmm. Like Charles Robinson is, is amazing at those type of things. So he sells this like slap to the back of the head, like death. Like he just drops like a perfect, like a bag of rocks. It's great. And, um, and then the jacked nurse though, grabs George George by the throat and starts taking her to, to the ground. And, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, I mean, the only reason why I mentioned this because the crowd reaction was funny, but, and it appeared like, what Gorgeous George is wearing, it, the top that she's wearing, I don't think was a very good idea because it doesn't seem like it wants to stay on properly. I feel like that was very much the idea. Uh, it, you do, but you don't because of the way people react to it. Uh-huh. And so the, there seems to be some sort of wardrobe malfunction going on. And so when she's on the ground, she's kind of like in a ball. And Mean Gene comes over and like puts his jacket over her. This is why I, this is why I don't feel like this is like was the idea necessarily. And then she's let out by security along with Macho Man and everyone else and the, to a chorus of boos from the crowd. I mean, they start booing like crazy when Mean Gene gives his jacket to her. Um, <laughs> just, just to let you know about this, how uh, nice this wrestling crowd is. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, but like the only reason I mentioned is just the boos were insane. They got more heat than anything else in this whole segment. Um, and and also at this point the crowds are great. Like all of these nitros have outstanding crowds. Even the ones like we were talking about in those two thousands episodes of Nitro, the crowds are almost always incredible. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame because now, no matter how good a show is, you can't get a great crowd. Well, that's because all the shows are five hours long. <laughs> that's that's true. That's very true. So anyway, uh, Sting then comes out randomly and attacks Flair, and then Goldberg comes out too and decks Flair as well. But then Sting and Goldberg start going at it because remember they're having a match at Slamboree. Oh, I didn't remember. Exactly. So I'm glad you pointed that yeah, out. <laughs> I don't think many others did either. Um. So later backstage, Roddy Piper barges into Flair's office and starts to just wail on Ric Flair. Now, in Ric Flair's office, all the crazy people are there with him. And so they're just going nuts while Flair is getting beat to death by Roddy Piper. They're going just nuts going... like cheering? Or no, like no, 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 no. Like, like going crazy like they already were, just more. And poli- a policeman comes in and Piper decks him too and continues to beat up Flair in front of all the, the weirdos. He then puts one of his own shirts on Ric Flair and, like, pours water on him or something and then leaves. And, uh, anyway, later on in the show, Flair is battling DDP for the world title to close out Nitro. And Robinson is, of course, the ref. And after a while, Macho Man and the girls come back out and George attacks Flair while he has DDP in a figure four. And Robinson doesn't see it. Apparently, and then once he notices her, he chases her out of the ring. Savage then comes in, throws some knuckles to DDP, and like some brass knuckles to him. Which well, he, okay, I was about to ask, do you yeah. mean brass knuckles, or is well, that like an expression? Well, they're for not punching him. Well, they're not brass. That's the thing. But but yeah, <laughs> and and Savage Great. then Lovely. you know knocks out Flair, and another ref comes in and makes the count, and DDP is still the champion. So now we Boy, finally now we finally get to Slanbury. And we have Charles Robinson uh, taking on Gorgeous George. Coming to the ring is Charles Robinson with Ric Flair and then the jacked nurse who we now know is called Asia. Wow, WCW. Get it? You I know, get it? I know, right? You and get they, it? They, oh, that's the worst. Hang on, I'm sorry. I know you're trying to finish. I just got to... <laughs> It gets better. Boy, I hate that. It gets better. Boy. It gets better. It gets better. It's spelled A S Y A. They even use the Y. Like it's incredible. That's funny to me because the first time you said there's this really jacked nurse, I was like, oh, so someone like China. Yes. But I didn't say that out loud. I'm glad you didn't. I am Do you know what the other best part of this is? Recently on one of Eric Bischoff's podcasts, they end up talking about some something going on, and, and Conrad ends up mentioning Asia, and he's like, which is clearly a direct ripoff of China, and Bischoff would not own it. Yeah, it's perfect. He's like, I, I, he's, like, I had, like he's like, I had no what's idea. That? I don't know anything about that. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, Bischoff! What, what's that? Who is that? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Look, Bischoff it does a good job of being pretty honest with a lot of these things, but it's like, come on, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Even if you didn't make that decision, you clearly re- recognized it when it happened. Like, geez. Anyway. That's awesome. But uh, the best part of this is Charles Robinson is dressed 100 percent like Ric Flair I mean he got his hair bleached 
and cut exactly the way Ric Flair's is. He got the same tan. He has a robe, which says Little Nature Boy on the back. He has the same, like, finger tape. Like, the way Ric Flair tapes his fingers. Like, everything is exactly the same. He's got the trunks, and instead of a RF and, like, that weird, like, cursive, like, like flamboyant letters, it has a C, mm-hmm. CR, of course. Same boots, everything. And... It, it is amazing, and so I'm gonna I'm just gonna play this a little bit from his entrance. Just, just, I just love hearing the announcers react to the way Charles Robinson looks. It's uh, it's great. Introducing first, accompanied to the ring by the president of WCW, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, and Asia. He is from Charlotte, North Carolina. Little Nate. Wow. He's doing the strut, everything. To the Missouri School, Montessori. Or the Missouri School, and all of them, yeah. Would you look at this transformation of little mate Charles Robinson? I like it. This is a great look. Look at that. He's got the strut and the sneer down pat. Anyway, it, it is, it's, it's amazing. It is incredible. I absolutely love it. That was a great line. It I was. That. I, I even wrote that line down just in case I couldn't find the clip in time. Because it is great. Bobby Heenan just at his best. He's just, now we know what Ric Flair looked like when he was four. <laughs> yeah, that's, boy, that's oh, fantastic. It is. I'm sure this is a blast for Charles Robinson. Oh, it that's was. The thing. It's got to be amazing. It was. I mean, and, and honestly, he responded to a tweet I did last week about when I was first. Because the reason why I found this, I was just randomly watching pay-per-views. And I just randomly watched w- WCW Slam Brewery and then saw this match on it. And, I was, and it was something that I was like, oh, yeah, that would probably be a good topic. But I didn't really know about the extent of all of it and this match. And so watching this, I was just like, this is amazing. And I had so much fun watching this match. And uh, and he, he actually responded to a tweet that I did about it, talking about how how much fun it was. And that he, you know, was just... Because, you know, everyone knew... I mean, he's like the biggest Ric Flair fan ever. And well, I, yeah, I would be too. Are you kidding? Right. And I was asking him... No, before this. Yeah. And I was asking him, like, you know, because I'm telling you, and I'll get more into it when I start talking about the match, but his mannerisms and, like in the ring is like exactly the same. Like there are times when you kind of forget that it's not Ric Flair. And then you see him like standing up against someone and you're like, Oh yeah, he's way too small to be Ric Flair. Right. He's tiny. But um, can he, can he wrestle at all? Well, you don't have to when you're doing this. I guess that's not really the point. Right. And, um, and so he was just talking about, because I was asking him about these mannerisms. I'm like, how much do you have to work on that to get it all down? He's like, man, I had that down years ago just from watching <laughs> Ric Flair. So, I mean, he was the biggest Ric Flair fan. And awesome. and so, and then got to do this, which is just amazing. So it's kind of like when we were watching that, you know, when we've done the David Arquette things, just watching him in the ring, knowing he just, this is just like the greatest thing ever as, you know, as a wrestling fan. It's yeah, like that yeah. watching this too. That's great. And, I mean, you forget it's not Ric Flair sometimes, man. I mean, he doesn't have the muscles, but even, like, the body kind of shakes. You know, Ric Flair's body was never, like, a, 
chiseled, you know, jacked type body. He was just a big guy, you know. And especially at this point, Ric Flair's a lot smaller now in 1999 than he was in, like, the 80s or 70s when he was, like, in his prime. Like, he's older Mm -hmm. now, so he's smaller. And so the body difference really isn't that... It even Charles Robinson's body even looks like Ric Flair, just smaller and without the muscles. But like even the shape looks like Ric Flair. Like it's wild. It is. It's really wild. And just all his movements are the same. So out comes Gorgeous George now with Macho Man, Medusa, and Miss Madness. And Ric Flair takes the mic, of course, and says both these other <laughs> and talks about a lot of stuff. But says both these girls can uh, come ride Space Mountain tonight in his hotel. In his Great. hotel room, but he's le- but he's leaving George for uh, for little Nate, and <laughs> oh jeez, Robinson then takes the mic and says he's gonna put the figure four on, and after she gives up, he's gonna wipe the dust off of her, scoop her up, and they're gonna ride Space Mountain all night. That's that's horribly inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, but it's really funny. <laughs> Goodness. Oh man, it's it man, it, it's just it's so much fun watching Charles Robinson do this. And uh, Macho Man then says George is gonna kick. He's gonna kick their butt and all this other stuff. Anyway, then the mat the match is just the match starts. It's it's just so much fun. I mean, it is terrible, but 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 for what it is, it is a blast. Like you know, this was not meant to be a wrestling match. So watching right. it as what it's meant to be, it was a lot of fun. I mean, all the people involved do a great job and are fully committed. Like, everybody involved in this mm-hmm. is 100% committed. Not, and that includes, like, Macho Man and everyone. Like, they they are committed to this. Well, and that's a is, good place to be in. It is. And, and it's just so much fun watching Charles Robinson. I mean, it's great. I mean, he's doing the stretch. His facial expressions look exactly like Ric Flair when he's in the ring. Just the way he moves mm-hmm. his arms or, like, gestures at people. Like, it all looks the same. It's great. And uh, Robinson is in control for most of the match, but they do kind of trade holds and shots. And, and Charles Robinson sells every move like death. Well, like, that makes sense because he's not a wrestler at all. Right, but also killed. he's wrestling a girl who's smaller than he is and who's not a wrestler either. But, he, but you know, like Ric Flair, like, we talk about that. The reason why he's the greatest is because not only all his accomplishments and his talking and his promos and all that stuff – but he was able to wrestle anybody and make yeah. them seem viable. No matter how yeah. low they were, it still seemed like they were viable and it was a good match without, like, hurting himself. Like, yeah, he just was that good. And Charles Robinson is doing that. Like, even though he's getting beat up by this tiny little girl, you d- he's it's just fun to watch just because of his selling of everything. Yeah, that's amazing. And so she ends up taking him down with a snapmare, and and then while Robinson is, then Robinson gets up. He's all mad, starts kicking the bottom rope like Ric Flair, like having a temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes over and starts talking with Ric Flair on the apron, like he's like giving him tips. She then yeah, sho- coach him up, right? She then shoves Charles Robinson into Ric Flair, and they both fall exactly the same, like next to each <laughs> other, like on the ring apron and and in the ring, like like at the same time, the same direction, and it's great. It is great. Um, wow. Flair and Savage. Huh? Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Then uh, later on, Flair and Savage end up squaring off in the ring, but they have no contact because Savage is still not reinstated. And the winner of this match, you know, if, if Gord Storch wins, he's reinstated. So he doesn't want to, you know, get himself disqual- get her disqualified or anything. 
So oh, okay. there are still stakes in this match, which is, I guess, good. Um, then uh, later, Robinson, while he's on the outside, grabs a chair, and he's going to bring a chair into the ring while the ref is dealing with, like, Gorgeous George. And then Miss Madness comes over and takes it from him. And he gets mad and decks her with a forearm shot. And then yeah. body and then body slams her on the outside, like scoop slams her. And I Jeez. still have no idea who she is, but I, I mean, clearly she's some sort of, you know, she's clearly a wrestler. But um, <laughs> and so the others are like going to check on her and Robinson gets back in the ring and is telling the ref to count. And they start arguing. <laughs> they start, he's, he's mad at the ref for not counting fast enough. And the ref starts yelling back at him and Robinson then shoves the ref. The ref shoves him back and Robinson just goes flying. It is amazing. Like, and again, this is like typical Ric Flair. This was Ric Flair with Earl Hebner. Like we right. saw this, this is a like million Rick Flair times. Dialed up to eleven. We saw this with Ric Flair and Earl Hebner, where he'd yell at Hebner, Hebner would push him and he'd just go flying. Like yeah. that's exactly the same thing. And it's even better because Robinson is a ref, so that's even funnier. Right. And that was great. Um, so George ends up coming back into the ring before the 10 count. And they go back at it with Robinson mostly in control. But then George throws Robinson into the corner and starts lighting him up with chops. Of course, you have to have those in there. And then send him to the other corner and he does the typical Ric Flair flip over the turnbuckle. And then, awesome. and then runs down the uh, down the apron. She goes for a co- clothesline, ducks the clothesline, and then cl- goes up to the top turnbuckle, only to be thrown off by Gorgeous George in the most Ric Flair of all Ric Flair spots of all time. Amazing. It is. And she then nails him with a clothesline. He takes it, gets back up, walks around, and then flops in the middle of the ring. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> and it's amazing. It is. It's great. George continues to beat him up until Asia, like, kind of interferes and kind of pulls Gordis George off and and starts to kind of attack her knee. But then Medusa comes over and decks Asia to stop her. But the knee has been attacked, so Robinson goes after the knee because, you know, figure four. And and he starts to work it. He, I mean, he's working a, he's working a body part half better than half the WWE wrestlers nowadays. And he's beating her knee up, beating her knee up, doing different moves. He, I mean, he hits her with like, you know, uh, wow. Now, now I forgot a uh, leg breaker. I think that's what it's called. A couple different moves. And he then puts the figure four on gorgeous George in the center of the ring. But of course, George flips it over and reverses it on a uh, Robinson, but then, Flair, but then Flair comes in to break up the reversal and then Savage comes in and decks Flair out of the ring. He low blows Charles Robinson and then body slams him. And then Gorgeous George goes up to the middle rope. She doesn't go to the top rope, but the middle rope and hits a diving elbow on Robinson and gets the pinfall. Gorgeous George is the winner. Macho Man is reinstated. Oh, my goodness. I'm uh, exhausted. I know, I know. Now I'm going (laughs) to pause for a second because i got to mention this, and I meant to mention mention this during the entrance, but it's something I found out today because I wanted to mention that. I'll mention this at some point. I've I've started to watch Seamus' YouTube channel. I don't know if you've ever watched his Celtic is Warrior the, wor- the workouts. One? Yes, they're so entertaining to watch. I don't know why I haven't been watching them before now. But they are really entertaining. But his one today, today, he has Charles Robinson on it. And he's doing Charles Robinson's workout. And Robinson says that when he was first approached for this angle, I guess Kevin Nash was booking at the time. And Kevin Nash approached him. And the way he asked, he goes, 
you want to lose to a girl, you'll get your own robe. And that was, <laughs> that was what he said. <laughs> and he was like, uh, yes. <laughs> so that was the way it was pitched to him. It was, you want to lose to a girl and uh, get your own robe? <laughs> like you had me at robe. Right, right. Absolutely. Oh man, so I thought that was Jeez, I thought that was crazy. really I thought that was really funny and I literally heard that today. So that was funny. Um anyway, so later on though in the show cuz we still have the Ric Flair presidency going on. And Flair is battling Piper, remember, for control of WCW. Oh, okay. Okay, right. you're right. Sorry. Right. No, I I didn't remember. <laughs> I thought we were done. <laughs> I know. Okay. Ooh, no, we're back. not done yet. We're we're getting there. We're we're nearly done, but there's still bring a couple more things. So and of course, Charles Robinson comes back as the ref, and so Ric Flair wins the match with just a million things of interference. Arn Anderson coming out, and he ends up knocking Piper out with brass knuckles. But even though mm-hmm. earlier in the match he had submitted to Piper, and Piper had him in a submission hold, but Charles Robinson didn't end the match. And so then Eric Bischoff comes out. He has now returned. He's been gone for a while now. I think since he lost to Flair for the presidency. Great. He, he comes out and overturns the decision. I don't know what his title is technically at this point, but and Piper, he says Piper's the winner is in control of WCW, and Piper, of course, then fires Flair. And uh, that was the end of that segment, at least for the pay per view. So the next night on Nitro, Ric Flair says that Bischoff is not in charge and he's still the president, and he also makes a match. He makes a mixed tag match between himself and Robinson versus Macho Man and Gorgeous George. So they're going to battle it out on Nitro. And uh, we get more we get more action with Charles Robinson as tag match. It's it's more just great Charles Robinson being uh you know being little Ric Flair. But uh, the mm-hmm. interesting part is I'm not sure why, but they end up making a switch where Gorgeous George can't wrestle cuz she's on crutches and so Medusa okay. is going to take her place and again I didn't watch the whole episode so I'm not really sure when this happened or what the reasoning behind it was. Um, because she seemed fine in at the end of the match. So I don't think it was from the match. But anyway, I don't know. And so it's going to be Medusa. Well, that's a little bit more dangerous now because um, Medusa is like actually a really good wrestler. <laughs> right. But uh, anyway, so it's another fun match, though, with just Robinson being great. And the crowd is still hot again. And they pop when Medusa just destroys Robinson with a clothesline at one point in the match. Like she takes his head off. It's great. And we, we also get to see Macho Man take on Ric Flair. At one point, Flair low blows Savage, then Flair tags in Robinson. So Robinson gets to go after Macho Man Randy Savage, but it uh, doesn't go well. He gets like a couple shots in, and then he gets taken out pretty Just easily. Just gets annihilated. Right? Yeah, and then uh, Medusa comes back in, and she gives him a, a pile driver, but it's really, really weak looking. I'm not sure what happened, but I mean that's it yeah. wasn't good. Better safe than sorry. I don't know. Maybe. May, yeah, it seemed like a situation like that. Anyway, Flair gets back in. But he now battles Medusa for a while, which is pretty fun. The crowd's popping for that. She, lows, she low blows Flair at one point and tags in Savage, and he starts to dismantle both Flair and Robinson. And then a great spot happens. Flair goes to the top, of course, and Savage comes over, throws him off. Then Robinson goes over into the other he goes to the top turnbuckle on the other side, and then Savage comes running over and throws him off too. Which you is... know what this is reminding me of? This reminds me of when The Miz had Damian Sandow <laughs> as yes. his stunt double. 
and all of the it's great exactly bits that like they did that. with that because he doesn't look that much like the Miz, right? But he was so good at physical comedy yep. that like they won the tag team titles and Miz <laughs> helped them both, and they gave him like toy titles, like not even replica titles, but like right. clearly cheap replica titles, like from Walmart, yep. to carry around. And if the because it started out as he was the Miz's stunt double, right. And whenever Miz would take a bump, he'd be standing at ringside and he'd throw himself to the ground yeah. and the crowd would go nuts. Yeah, That's it's, what it's, I'm picturing. It's right not now. quite that, but but yeah, a little bit. That was great, though. I really loved Damien Santa was amazing. That, that was a great character. And another thing that's funny about this. I mean, now I'm like, well, maybe intergender wrestling should be a thing because I'm I swear these crowds are more crazy when there's a girl beating up a guy in the ring. But at the same time, I feel like once we make this official matches, that's going to go away. Right. That's kind of it's like everything else in wrestling, like when there's not a lot of it. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, that that has that was just a side note that I was thinking about while watching it. So he then plants Charles Robinson, goes to the top rope. Macho Man does and hits his diving elbow on him, crushes him, and, and, he, and he gets the pin. And apparently he hit Robinson so hard that he collapsed his lung and, put him, and put him in the hospital for two weeks. So Charles Ow. Robinson was in the hospital for two weeks because um, Robinson, I forgot where I was listening on. I think it was on one of Jericho's podcasts, maybe from like a couple years ago. But he was saying like he didn't know what he was doing. He was just so he didn't know how to like take a move. So right. he was just laying there. And not, I don't think he tried to protect himself or anything. And of course, also, Macho Man is like six, six, and like two hundred eighty pounds of pure muscle. Like, yeah, he's a big guy. He's huge, and so he just destroyed Charles Robinson. Just knocked him. And Robinson was like, "Yeah," and I was done wrestling after that. Uh, right. Well, it went a little further than you'll get your own robe, didn't it? You it did. To a it girl did. and get your lung collapsed. You get your own robe, like yeah. He said Macho That's... Man was very nice about it. He said he called him in the hospital almost every day. So he said that was nice. Oh, uh, I bet that was really funny. Anyway, that was that was great to watch. Jeez, and uh, that sucks. Robinson would continue, though, to be with Ric Flair as a heel ref for several more months before kind of just going back to normal, I think maybe in like September or a, a, a few months later. And, mm-hmm. of course, in, in my opinion, is the best ref of all time. I mean, <laughs> I, and I'm serious. Like people, you know, obviously Tommy Young was the first, like, greatest ref of all time from the 70s and 80s and there's been other ones you know people say the Hebners and although I still get really annoyed with Earl Hebner because he has stupid two counts um but I I, in my opinion I think Charles Robinson is just the the best I mean he he has refed almost all major moments uh, most uh, a good amount of major moments in the past 20 years I mean including obviously Ric Flair's retirement match Sean Michaels, yeah, Sean Michaels retirement match. I mean, like he's he's done a ton of those. So anyway, um, and then Flair would continue to feud with Piper for control of WCW. They had a, a rematch at the Great American Bash the next month. Flair won by disqualification. When of all people, Buff Bagwell, yes, Hooray! Buff Bagwell interfered Woo, on on, be, on, on behalf of Piper and started beating Flair up. And so Flair is still president. And then, of course, Flair and Piper start beating up Bagwell after that in the ring. And it was weird. And then this led to a feud between Bagwell and Piper for some reason. I don't know why that happened. And then eventually Piper would join with Ric Flair again. 
I, I didn't go this far. I stopped at this point, but I don't know what continues, but it seems weird. And Flair would remain president for another like couple months until he loses Jeez. it to Sting on an episode of Nitro in July. And that's kind of wow. the end of that. So that's the end of kind of this whole thing. It went way longer than I meant for it to. But all I wanted to talk about was Ric Flair in a mental institution and Charles Robinson being Little Nate. But to get the context, it went back way far and it took way longer than I initially thought. But anyway, that is the end of that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I um, I love a good crooked ref when it's done well and when it becomes a cliche. Like I always, I knew about Little Nate, but I've never, I've never heard the full story before. The crooked referee that always comes to my mind is Scott Armstrong, and I don't really? even know what you his. Think of Scott sto- Armstrong. I don't even know. See, I think of Nick Patrick when he joined the NWO. That's what I see, think. See, my only right, like I have no context. You got to remember, I haven't been watching wrestling That's you know, true. for that long. So literally, I don't remember what pay per view it was. It was probably like late 2014. I think it might have been that Survivor Series because that was the kind of match where you think a screwy finish might happen where it was like Team Authority versus Team John Cena. Yeah. I don't remember. All I remember is I was watching with some of my friends who grew up watching it. And it's some screwy finish. The ref gets taken out. They have to run a new ref in. And my buddy goes, oh, it's that crooked referee, Scott Armstrong. Like he does I it do in remember, his announcer voice. I do remember him being that. Yeah, I mean, I remember does it. that. He says that three seconds before Michael Cole goes, it's that crooked referee, Scott Armstrong. <laughs> and we were laughing so hard, we almost missed whatever the finish was. I don't remember, but that's <laughs> stuck in my brain ever since. That he just nailed it, and that is he's always in my mind because he's always announced as that crooked referee, Scott Armstrong, to the point where there's no context for it anymore. I don't know why he's crooked. I don't know what he did or who he works for, but it's very funny. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember that story. I do remember Scott Armstrong story. But uh anyway, it was a long journey, but we finally finished. We did it. So it was uh you know, that that that's the story of Little Nature Boy and of uh Ric Flair being in a mental institution, which was an actual segment on Monday Nitro, which still is hard to believe, but but in a in a sense, it's also not like it kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, especially with how Ric Flair was treated in a lot of his run in a WCW. And yeah, that's fair. Anyway, Boy. so I guess we should move on to our next segment. What is up with David Arquette? All right, so we have some David Arquette news. Um, I, I, he still hasn't done any wrestling in the past week, but hopefully some more of that is you know on the horizon for him. But what he has done is a couple of interesting, really funny things, I thought, because he was on Hallmark's Home and Family show on uh, Wednesday, February 13th for like a Valentine's Day thing. Now, I tried to watch it, but I missed it, and I was going to try and watch it, but I, I, I missed it, so... He was doing, I don't know what he was making or showing, but he was on that. I know that. But he was so. certainly on it. So right. uh, I meant to go back and, and try and find it, rewatch it, but I forgot, so I apologize for not making the segment better. Oh, that's all right. That's, that's, better, than, that's better than nothing. But one thing I did do, 
He also, I don't know if you saw this, he did an Instagram Live video where he demonstrated Bob Ross's wet-on-wet painting technique. And it looks like he's, like, teaching a class because there was a couple other people there, like, at his house. And it was amazing. It was, like, in, like, a few different parts over, like, a span of, like, two two or three hours. What, what's wow. going, what is going on? You just ruined my David Arquette segment. No, I didn't. Keep going. Oh, there's some noise in the background. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it was great. So did you watch that? No, I didn't even know he had that. It I didn't was, know it was live. It was great. It was a couple days ago. And I, I, I saw it, like the live video was pop it, up and I watched it, it for good? a second. Yes. He's, he's really good. Like it, it shows Is there from, anything this man can't do. No, no. This man can do everything. He has, it starts with a blank canvas and he paints like a, a snow capped mountain with water at the base and happy little trees. Like it is great. Um, Amazing. It was in several pieces like the, the Instagram live. He would do like a live one for like 15 or 20 minutes and then it, it would like stop and then he would do another one. It was over like a span of like three hours. But the Jeez. painting is really good. And he's like teaching the class and I, I took some pictures of it. So I'll, I'll post those on Twitter at some point too. Because it was, it was fantastic. So, David Arquette, master actor, wrestler, and Bob Ross painter. Like, it, it's Man. great. It is fantastic. So, uh, that that's what's up with David Arquette. Oh, good stuff, man. man. It is good stuff. All right. So, yeah, that, that pretty much does it. And thank you for listening. Thank you for bearing with us. This was an extra long episode. I do apologize, but it just, it happens. It happens that way. And, uh, you know, we got through it together. I hope I didn't bore you guys too much uh, listening to it. Harris, I hope you weren't falling asleep over there. No, no, that was good. I mean, it's just it's amazing to me that that's the year 1999 and WCW yet again. It just comes up, you know, you can't you can't escape it. It's there's true. always different stuff going on. 99 and 2000 are gold mines of uh, in, of uh, episode material for us. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. But anyway, if you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter. Our Twitter page is at behind underscore gorilla. And you can send us comments, questions, send us send us episodes you want us to do. If you have a weird topic you want us to do, send us an episode. We've had people send us uh, topics before, and we've always made sure and and, uh, and done them. So you can do that. You can also follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So you can do that as well. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can go ahead and do that. We'd always need some more ratings. And if you have your own podcast, let us know on Twitter, and we will be happy to return the favor and give you guys some uh, ratings and reviews as well. Um, yeah, and that's so that's pretty much it. The last thing, I have another podcast called The Uncaped Crusaders Review where me and my friend Ian watch every single Batman movie ever made and also talk about all current things dc comics and uh super movies in general so you can check that out on twitter at uncaped review you can also find the podcast on all the same pod podcast platforms in this ones uh, i mean itunes google play stitcher spotify everywhere and so that does it that does it for another episode of behind the gorilla our birthday anniversary or birthday episode i guess you could say and so yeah, we have, we've now been here for a year, and hopefully this was a good enough one to uh, kind of cap that that first year of uh, existence for us. Yeah, and if you've somehow been with us since day one, thank you. Yes. Goodness. Very much. Thank you for being here. It's been a lot of fun, and we're going to keep it going until uh, 
until maybe baseball season comes around. We'll see how that <laughs> we'll see how that works out once baseball season comes because we we took all of last summer off. So technically, we haven't actually been making episodes for a year. We're four months off from that. I was going to say we're what? We're into season three, and we're just <laughs> celebrating our one-year anniversary. Try to work that out. Yeah, it's a little weird, but that's fine. We, we make I mean, here's own. the thing. You can either have one really long title reign, or you can be like 15-time champion, and each of your title reigns is super short. Right. We're, we're going that's for the we're record. Going for. We're going for the record. We're going for Ric Flair. We're going for 16. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. But anyway, thanks a lot for listening, guys. Thanks for being for listening to the show for this whole year. And uh, hopefully you continue to listen in the future as well. So again, I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.